0: You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Hi, it's Brian, and I'm here in the Sidell area today, also known as Village F. Behind me is Horizon West's second high school as we continue our sermon series, Finding God in Horizon West. My hope with this sermon series is to help you love where you live. And so in this video tour, we're exploring all six villages that make up Horizon West. The Sidell area is rapidly adding new places to live, work, and play. It's home to neighborhoods and communities like Sonoma Hills, Watermark, Lake Hancock Preserve, and Lakeshore, just to name a few. So, if you live in Village F, let us know in the comments below. This area is a great example of the unofficial Horizon West motto, Sometimes you have to create what you want to be a part of. While some villages have already adopted their names like the village of Bridgewater and Lakeside Village, this area still has its original letter designation of F. Residents in connection with the county will eventually help to name their village, finding a name that reflects the character of the area. Additionally, the students and families who will attend this school will get to help name it. It's been suggested that It'd be fun to name it Rydell High School because it rhymes with Seidel and it was the name of the high school in Greece. (laughs) We'll see, it's up to you. As a public school, this school will gather students from the local community school zone. Unlike a private school, by default, this new high school will represent the diversity of the surrounding community from the very beginning. This is one reason that I'm a big supporter of our public schools. They bring students together based on where they live and for the most part without qualifying students based on their ability to pay parent education level or the square footage of their residence to this extent if you want to see the full spectrum of the community you can look to our local public schools the church can learn something from this we too are called to reflect the fullness of our community and if we look around and everyone looks and talks and lives and earns like us, then we probably have some work to do. So today we'll look at one of the earlier stories of Jesus's ministry. It's a powerful story where four people carry another person into the presence of Jesus so he can be healed. It invites us to look around and to ask the question as a church, who is not here but should be? Who is missing? Who does God want here that isn't? And how can we help invite others into god's presence when we gather as the church so listen to luke 5 verses 17 through 28 this morning one day when jesus was teaching pharisees and legal experts were sitting nearby they had come from every village in galilee and judea and from jerusalem now the power of the lord was with jesus to heal some men were bringing a man who was paralyzed living on a cot they wanted to carry him in and place him before jesus But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they took him up on the roof and lowered him, cot and all, through the roof tiles into the crowded room in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The legal experts and the Pharisees began to mutter among themselves, Who is this who insults God? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus recognized what they were discussing and responded, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but so that you will know that the human one has authority on earth to forgive sins? Jesus now spoke to the man who was paralyzed. I say to you, get up, take your cot, and go home. Right away, the man stood before them, picked up his cot, and went home praising God. All the people were beside themselves with wonder, filled with awe. They glorified God, saying, we have seen unimaginable things today. Well, I'm really thankful today for um, for Horizon West happenings, because um, they are the ones who kind of helped gave us, they gave us the maps to use and to borrow. And if you have not picked up your copy of uh, their 2020 magazine, I would really encourage you to do that. I mean, it is it is full of everything that you would ever want to know about the area that you live in. And so if you feel like, I'm not sure I know much about where I live, uh, I encourage you to pick up a copy. If you are watching from out of town and you want to know a little bit more about who we as Citrus Church are called to serve locally, I'd encourage you to take a look at that below. Um, but quite honestly, this area would not be who it is without Horizon West Happenings. Uh, this team of locals has really been working on this for years. Uh, to help us really have a branding and a design of who we are. Um, because we're not an incorporated city, uh, and we are a part of the county, and we don't have um, kind of official representation. And so it's up to us as residents to really love where we live. And uh, this group, more than any other, has really made that possible. So I'm thankful uh, for for Cynthia and Stephanie and Tara and Lindsay and, and Leah and all those who help to make Horizon West happenings Uh, The amazing group that it is. So uh, thank you to them. You can pick up, find a place below at Rise West Magazine to pick up your copy. We have them here at the Grove House if you'd like to stop by one day and get those. Uh, Perhaps you've also noticed that to my side here are uh, our communion supplies. So today as we worship, uh, after the sermon, we will share communion together. You don't have to make it fancy. Just find some bread and some juice in your house. Bring those together if you haven't done so already. I'll give you the instructions that you need, and we will share communion together virtually. Um, so, so today, as you heard in our sermon so far, uh, we're we're looking at one of these original stories of Jesus, and one of the earliest stories of Jesus. Uh, this one happens kind of early on in his ministry when, before things begin to, to challenge the leaders, he is really known as, as a healer, uh, as one who sees others and cares for them. And so in this particular episode, in this particular episode <laughs> Jesus is, is holding church, for lack of a better term. And he is there borrowing someone's house and people have heard about this guy and they're interested in, in, in what he's doing. Maybe they think he's God, maybe they're not sure, but this is something that they need to go and see for themselves. So Jesus is in this house and the house is packed. The house is full. And What we see here is this is a reminder to us that when we gather together as the church, that God is present with us. Now, on the next slide there, you'll see the verse from Matthew 18, 20. This is one of the ones that many of us know. It's this idea that for where two or three are gathered, I am there with them. And this is one of the ones we've used for a long time as the church to say that whenever even a small group of us gathers together, that we are in the presence of God that God is present with us. Now, maybe you're watching from home and you're by yourself and you're thinking, well, math-wise, there's one of me. Maybe you can count a dog or a hamster or something like that. I just want to simply encourage you this morning to say this isn't kind of mathematical formula that God shows up at the point of two or three people. Uh, The reminder for us that even in this distant time that God is with us when we gather as the church. Uh, Whether we are together in person or whether we are still separated online, that what this means is that God is present with us. And that's what we're talking about today is the presence of God and what it means for you and I to be present with God and with others. And so when we do, of course, we gather together to sing. We gather to pray. Uh, One of the challenges that we've seen, though, is that Another verse that many of us are familiar with, uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten in the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. Now, I want to hold us on this verse for a minute because some people have read this verse and we think we are doing something wrong by not gathering together in person, right? And, And we should be together in person and we should be In person, And so some have used this verse, which remember was written over 2,000 years ago to a specific audience who could gather in person, but for particular reasons was not. So this is a good reminder for us that when we look at Scripture about gathering as the church, that we don't have to read it in a legalistic fashion that says everything that's written exactly there is exactly applied to today. We have to understand the original times it was written in and what it means for us. In fact, uh, a friend and a colleague of mine, Alex Shanks, uh, wrote this in an email this week and said this. He said, I tend to think, again writing right now, I tend to think about how we can do no harm and love our neighbors by foregoing some things for the sake of safety. And that has really been our motivation in this season to do online worship and to think strategically about what reopening in person with safe measures will look like. Uh, And our church council has been working on that, and we hope to have some news that we can share perhaps soon. So wink, wink, stay tuned. But everything that we do right now is a recognition that, yes, we need to gather together, as the verse tells us, but we need to do so in a way that does no harm and loves our neighbors and really seeks their safety. So the story that we're looking at today is the story of five people who are headed to church. And The first lesson, uh, lesson one that we have here, is a reminder of what it means to be present in church. Now, the idea here is that the first lesson of the story, as we've heard it told from Jesus and there in Luke, is that, and I just want to throw a Hamilton reference in for those. uh, I also missed this early in the celebrations, and Hamilton reminded me of it. Uh, But Chasey Kozak, if you're watching today, As a Hamilton fan, I want to wish you a happy birthday this past week. I heard it was your birthday. Uh, But of course, all of us who enjoyed Hamilton are reminded that we want it to be in the room where it happens. We want to be in the space where the big things are happening. And I love this idea for church, that the gathered community is the place where it happens. And our presence in that space at church is the place where it happens each week. Now, obviously, for Jesus, He has already has has a reputation as a healer, as someone who can draw a crowd. And we see in the Scripture people who are simply curious about who He is and what He's doing. And you and I know that gathering together is important. We talked about just now why we're not doing that in person quite yet. But the story tells us about four people who are on their way to be in the room where it happens. And for them they had the ability and the opportunity and, quite frankly, the the physical condition that would allow them to walk and to bring themselves into the room where it happens. So the first lesson for us is this is simply a reminder that the church, the the gathering together of God's people, usually at a physical place throughout history, has been something that is important to our faith. Uh, It's something that matters not just to us, but is also the time where we are present with the God who is present with us. The second thing this particular lesson teaches us is that it's not just about our presence, but the second lesson is that we need to look around and ask ourselves, who is not in the room where it happens? And one of the things I love so much about this, there's there's so many ways we can read this story understand it and see it. But one of the things we can do about this story is we can understand that these four men were aware of who could not make it into the room at that particular time. Evidently, there was someone who was there, and perhaps this man was on the side of the road, because for someone who who was paralyzed or disabled, they would often kind of be on the side of the road so that as people passed by, they could receive their generosity. And so as they were on their way to see Jesus, they recognized that this man, even perhaps more than them, needed to be in the presence of God. And they took it upon themselves. Oftentimes we've called this the four friends who bring their fifth friend to Jesus. But at least as Luke tells it, we don't see them necessarily as friends. And I think it's even more powerful for us because we see them as as just four individuals who recognize someone else could not get to where they needed to be and they took it upon themselves, and they made it their mission for that day to get this person into the presence of Jesus. Because of whatever was happening in his life, he couldn't get there on his own. And so they were thinking in the back of their mind, who is not in the room where it happens? And how can we help to get that person there? When I think about this story, I, I'm, I, I go back in my memory I guess probably about six years now, to my first year as a pastor. And uh, I was serving at First United Methodist Church of Orlando. And one of the tasks that I had that morning was we had a mission trip team who was, uh, I believe, going to Guatemala. And I wasn't preaching that morning. Our lead pastor was preaching. And so what I did was I went and met the team at the airport that was flying out on Sunday morning. Uh, And so I had a chance to meet with them and to pray with them before they boarded their plane and flew out. Now, on the way back from Orlando International, I thought to myself, I could use a coffee. This is very early. And so I pulled into Starbucks, and it was probably about 9.30 at that point. Um, and, I, and I ordered my drink, and I drove around to the drive-thru. And as the drink was being made, I was the only one in line. And I, and I said to them, she said, well, I hope you're having a great day today. And I said, I am. I just had a chance to come back from the airport and actually head to church. And I don't know what I ordered that day, but it was taking a long time to make. So I got to have a significant conversation with this barista. And she said, oh, you know, what church do you go to? And I said, well, I'm actually the pastor at First United Methodist of Orlando. And she said, oh, I go to First Winter Park of Orlando. Do you know my pastor, Bob Bouchang?" I said, I do. Of course, I know Bob. And she said, I wish I could go to church, but I work every Sunday. Uh, I'm in school. She was in college. And that was when she could get the hour so she could make money, of course, so she could live. And I became aware in that moment that that here was someone that I was talking to who wanted to be in the room where it happened and couldn't. And that was an early genesis for me that said if all of our worship times were, we had three services in the morning, and that began the genesis for me of adding an evening service so that we could make room for more people who couldn't otherwise be in the room because they had legitimate things that were going on. Uh, And of course, in typical Starbucks fashion, she wished me a great day. And I I asked that she, I prayed that she would have a good day too. And we parted ways. And I never met her again uh, that I know of. But my hope was, was that she could find a church that shifted its priorities to begin to think about how they made room for her. I think a lot of times we think about how can people change their schedule to meet us on our terms? And as the church and as individuals and in this story, we begin to think, how can we change our perspective and our conveniences to make room for others to experience God's presence? These four men in the story understood their commitment to be present in church, as we would call it today. But they also understood that for them, that was a call to pay attention to who was not there and who could not be there. And this hits home for me as a church now. Um, in the next picture here, I want to show you a picture of the movie theater that we uh, that we met in, you know, back in those days. And maybe this picture gives you anxiety. It does for me because no one is wearing a mask. Uh, this was actually about two years ago. This was our very first service when we we're about to launch uh, at the movie theater. And what we're doing in this picture, it's it's about 10 o'clock at that point. And what we would do before each service is we would pause and we would pray over every single seat. Uh, so those that you see here are those who are volunteering and who are helping to serve that day. Uh, but what I really want you to pay attention to here is the, the two arrows. On the very first day, the movie theater had just opened that week. We were the first ones in, and we kind of had to scramble to get our setup going. And so what you can see here are the two arrows. Is that the arrow on the right side of your screen where you can see the coffee there were some seats that removed and we put up an orange coffee table. You probably remember this. This is the orange table. To the left arrow, uh, what you can see is Jared there. And there's a black table that we have there and that was our audio table. And so we could run all the audio and video stuff from that level there. Now, that was our first week of worship and everything went great and it was an amazing day and we really felt God's presence with us. But what we realized was the reason those seats pushed back was because those were the wheelchair-accessible seating. And so without knowing what happened, what we had done was we had placed tables anywhere where a person in a wheelchair could comfortably sit with anyone who came with them for that day. Uh, So what we did the very next week was we moved those. Perfect. Um, What we did was we moved those seats and we realized that what we had unintentionally done as a church was we had not created space for those who might have an additional difficulty of being present in worship to be there. And so our commitment from each day forward was to always make sure that we actually inconvenienced ourselves by putting our sound table in a spot that wasn't convenient because it was more important to us to have space for someone who had a disability and wanted to be present in worship. And I think these are things that as you're watching, it's not just about how we do this as a church. It's also about how can you and I find ways in our our life and our work and our play to inconvenience ourselves, to make something easier for someone else in particular to be present with God. Now, what you see up here on the screen are the demographics for Horizon West. Uh, This is as of the 2018 census. And the reason why this matters is because I want us to think about how do we begin to think about maybe who's not present in the room? And for us as a church, there's a couple of growing areas. What you can see here is the census breakdown of, of basically who makes up the area of Horizon West. I'd love to know in the comments, do these numbers surprise you? Is it what you expected? Uh, 66% white, uh, 18% Hispanic or Latino, uh, and then 7% Asian, Uh, black or African American, and then 3% um, kind of becomes a catch-all for other. Now, obviously, these things kind of ebb and flow and change. What this tells me as a pastor is that we don't necessarily match up to this as a church. And I believe that one of the healthy metrics of how you measure a church is how well do they represent their community. And as I said in the video, if everyone looks and talks and and speaks and, and earns and lives like all the rest of the people there, we've kind of created a one culture church. And one of my hopes for us as Citruses as we grow is that we can continue to look at all the different variables that make up this area and more closely reflect this community. You see, I think we've got some room to grow, and the better that we can admit that, the more we put ourselves in a place to connect deeper into this community. So I think we can do better, and I'm thankful in particular um, for our church council. Who we, This year we added a role for diversity and inclusion chair. Um, and with that role, we are trying to find ways to stretch ourselves and to be a church that really represents our community. Uh, and so when I, when I think about this aspect here, It's a reminder to me that in the story of Jesus that there are two things at work. One is that there's a reminder for us to be present with God in the gathered community. Now, whether that is in person or online, it's a reminder to us that it's good for us to make church a priority, make going to church and being present in the room a priority. Christians have found over the last 2,000 years that When we're gathered together and we sing and we pray and we see each other and we we connect over coffee and when we have these moments week after week that it fills our soul in a way that nothing else can. And it's the people and it's also God who is with us. But that we also need to be aware as we look around and as we worship, man, I'm so thankful for all those who are here next to me. But who's not here? Who do I see in my neighborhood that's not here or not represented here? And this also helps us to think about how can I continue to invite other people into God's presence? Now that's part of us. We'll talk about this in a later sermon about how can we get more comfortable inviting people to church. We'll talk about that a few weeks ahead. What I'm talking about in this sermon here is how do we reorient or even inconvenience ourselves to make it more comfortable for someone else? And what I'm talking about is maybe a systematic restructuring of how we do church. So it's not just for those, as we see in the story, who are able to kind of walk there, but it's also for those who are not able to get there. And how can we be an individual who carries someone else into church, into faith? I mean, here, the roof literally had to be removed for this man to get to Jesus. We would have run into issues if we're removing roofs at Sinopolis to bring people to Jesus. But but thankfully, it's just not that hard for us anymore. But what are the systems that have kept people out? And I think about this past July, how we had the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I didn't realize that it, it has only been 30 years since the passage of this in 1990. I mean, that, that's within my lifetime. It's within the lifetime of many of you who are watching. And really, this act was to prohibit discrimination against people with dis- disabilities and employment and transportation and public accommodations and commercial facilities and telecommunications and state and local government. I looked up some statistics, and I was reminded that for 40.6 million in America are someone who lives with at least one disability. So that's 12% of our population. And while we may look around and say, we've made a lot of progress in the last 30 years of making spaces more accommodating for individuals with disabilities, I think that a scripture like this can say, yes, we have made a lot of progress, but, but how might we do more? And as we narrow that just this week to thinking about somebody with a disability, how can we make being present more convenient for them? So the truth is, is that church was always about making sure that everyone was included. It's a place where we can come and we can be real about our shortcomings, about our struggles, about our hurt, where we can be honest and where we can be kept honest. It's also a place where we can have our potential realized. I'm reminded in this moment that I didn't I wasn't the first person to see that I had a call to ministry. There were other people in my lives in my life who first said to me, "We think you have a call to ministry." And I was like, "I don't know what that means and I'm not sure I want to know what that means." The church is a place where we can call out one another's gifts and we might see something before they do. And so it does matter that everyone can be present because when we're present in God's presence is when powerful things begin to happen. The last verse I want to share with you is the one that it ends with, uh, verse 26. I believe that this is what happens when, when we make room for everyone in the room. All the people were beside themselves with wonder. They were amazed at what Jesus was doing. But I also think the wonder comes when we see people being included who maybe couldn't have been before. They were filled with awe and they glorified God saying, we've seen unimaginable things today. And when I think back about churches that I've been a part of, and maybe as you think about churches that you've been a part of, some of the most awe-inspiring, amazing, unimaginable things are when you look around and you realize All of us who are together are different and unique, and we all have unique calls. And only God could bring together a group of people like this. So I want to remind you this morning that your presence at church matters. Uh, It matters when we're online or in person. You know, of course, in this season, we do what is safe and good for our neighbor. But your presence as the church matters, too. It's really both parts. It's a a both and. Your presence and God's presence matters and your presence as the church can bring God's presence to others. So I hope that that brings some encouragement and some reminder that as you go about your week, as you live and work and play in Horizon West or wherever you live, that you have a call not just to be at church, but to be the church. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.